Thanks for joining the Capital Church podcast channel. For more resources and to learn more about Capital Church, please visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info capitalchurch.co. Uh, how many love your mom? Yeah, we love, man, 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 man. We love, we love our, our moms. Uh, happy Mother's Day to you. I'm so glad you made it here today. Uh, hey, you guys know the drill. Turn to your neighbor, give them a high five, tell them you love them. Come on, we're a happy church. A few of you. All right, turn to your, your other neighbor and say, go, go Warriors. Come on. Not James Harden, but Steph, come on. Steph Curry, we love Steph. Um, hey, we're, um, I, I'm going to have the shortest message of my life. Do you believe me? Uh, <laughs> the devil's a liar, right? Um, I actually changed my message late last night. I really wanted to talk about just some observation, observations that I have about moms from a biblical perspective. So I'll be about like 20 minutes, if that's all right with you. Uh, please come back next week. Next week, we're going to talk about Jesus and not being okay. What do you do when you're not okay and you love God, but you're not okay? And so uh, I'm really excited about that message. We'll probably spend about three hours next week just to, you know, right? Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, please come back for that. But today we're going to talk just, uh, just this kind of maybe stream of consciousness. I don't know. Hopefully this is coherent. But I just wanted to share what God put on my heart about moms. Before I do that, uh, I want to show some memes. How many like memes? Okay, a few of you. Uh, here's one. Being sick as a mom gives you a glimpse into how your family would survive without you. Listen to me. They will not make it. Right? Uh, me, I don't need to write it down. I'll remember, said every mom narrator. She would not remember. In fact, she would immediately forget what it even was, right? His mom brain. Uh, me, gazing wistfully at a new mom. Don't blink, mama. Her, I know, it all goes by so fast. Me, no, don't even close your eyes for a second or else your kids will completely destroy your home. That's so true. Life with kids is my favorite. You get interrupted, you get interrupted. Everyone gets interrupted, right? All the moms said Amen. I love this. Grandparents, right? We're going to shame you right now. Anyways, kidding. Thanks for watching the kids, mom. Please don't feed them sugar. Grandma, I won't. Four seconds after I leave, right? What is that monstrosity? No, no, no. Stop. Go back. Go back. Go back. What is that monstrosity? Not? It isn't a Rice Krispie tree. I think it's a cake. It's, and, uh, it could be a cupcake. All right, let's move on. That actually looks pretty good. Uh, I like this one. Let her sleep for when she wakes. She will make breakfast, wrestle toddlers, fix the broken toy, tell husbands what to do. Anyway, no. Dress the entire family and move mountains with her bare hands. So true. Nobody's uh, more full of false hope than a mom who places items on the stairs for her family members to carry up. I, I don't even know what that means. I can't relate. I uh, um, this, this I can relate to, motherhood truths. You should at least start a load of laundry every day. Your clothes will always be somewhat wrinkled. Your husband will never put his clothes in the laundry basket just next to it. Come on, dad said amen. All right, no, men. Uh, sometimes uh, I bathe the kids. I love this and put them in their PJs at 4 p.m. and pray and hope for a miracle. That's every day for us. Uh, this is my personal favorite, yawn. That was a pretty good night's rest, babe. 
I thought you would laugh more at that. That's like, that's so true. I slept great last night. Got a full 40 minutes, right? Said every mom. When you need some personal space, but your kids are so close that they're breathing your air. I love that. Mom, I just wanted to tell you that Mother's Day wouldn't be possible without me. I'll be waiting for my present in the living room. Love, Joshua. That's pretty good. I don't have a nine-to-five job. I'm a parent, right? I have a when I'm startled awake to when I pass out job. Yes. That's it. All right. So I got about 16, 17 minutes to share just a few thoughts. If we go to Proverbs chapter 31, and I'm just going to read just a few verses. Obviously, this is a famous um, passage. It gives us a portrait of a mom, a woman. And uh, I'm going to read through this really quick. It's important as we're reading through this not to typecast moms as this or that. I'll, I'll address that in my, my mini-talk here this morning. Um, but just let, let's let Scripture um, speak for itself. Can I get an amen, church? So verse 10 says, an excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with uh, willing hands. She's in the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it's yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it with the fruit of her hand. She plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. Like she works out all the time. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the uh, staff and her hands hold the spindle. Anyone you know what a spindle is? All right, let's move on. She opens her hand to the poor. I think I know it because I w- grew up watching Little House on the Prairie because my mom made me. I love my mom. I know, okay. Uh, She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen, purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Just a few more verses. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sausage to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. And she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. We're almost done here. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears a mama, who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands. I like this, right? You need, moms need to be compensated at least $200,000 a year. Can I get an amen to that? Lord have mercy. I've tried to be a mom one day, and it, that's, no, I can't do it. And let her works praise her in the gates. And everyone said amen. All right, bow your heads, close your eyes as we pray. Father, I thank you just for the next few moments that uh, you would speak to every mom in this place. Lord, I know maybe we, we come from a lot of different places here today. Maybe we're grieving the loss of our mom. Maybe we have a broken relationship with our mom. 
maybe we're, we just come out, we're just, we're just exhausted, and we need a protein shake, and we're just tired, and uh, maybe there are those mothers in here or, or wanted, want to be potential mothers who struggle with fertility. Whatever um, the case might be this morning, I just ask Holy Spirit, you would come and bring life. You would come and bring encouragement to every mom and woman in this place. Lord, we just thank you for speaking to us today in Jesus' name. And everyone said. All right, one more time. Give your neighbor a high five. Tell them you love them. Okay, so I'm going to break this down. Everyone say break it down. I'm going to break it down really quick. In this passage, I talk really fast in this next talk. But in this passage, in fact, what you find in the entire Bible, you look at the whole story of the Bible, uh, it works from an assumption. Everyone say assumption. And this is not without controversy. And I can't get into the controversy with this. Pastor Ken will probably talk about this controversy later in the summer. But there's an assumption that there are, within the biblical narrative, that there are some unique contributions of fathers as fathers, or fathers qua fathers, or mothers as mothers. Uh, There's an assumption uh, woven into the fabric, uh, the story of the Bible. In particular, in this passage, it seems like, and I just want to talk um, just for a little bit, uh, that there's a unique contribution that women and moms have to this world. Uh, Even ancient earth uh, religions, uh, and modern for that matter, appeal to the divine feminine. Like we even have um, this obscure artist called Beyonce, right? She's the archetype of new feminism. I'm not making any judgment here, but she just portrays herself as like the, the goddess. All of that implies that there's something unique about um, gender, something unique about feminine, femininity, something unique about, and I'm going to just extrapolate this out, as a mother. So we come into this passage, and before I get to this passage, let me just say this. There are those who believe that gender is simply a social construct. Not trying to make judgment on you. If that's your thing, that's great. But I think we at least need to concede that there's something unique to mothering as opposed to fathering. Now, I know we live in a hyper, um, and I'm not trying to be really political here today, but we live in a hyper-politicized culture. And if we're not careful, um, we start to um, idolize or exaggerate kind of mother-father distinctives. Now, the Bible makes it very clear that there are distinctives when it comes to fathering and mothering. Can I get an amen? However, um, the Bible doesn't make absolute categories when it comes to being a mom. So um, it's funny when some people read this passage that we just read in Proverbs 31, some use it as a, a way to justify that if you're a real mom, you got to stay in the kitchen, you got to clean the laundry, you got to do that. And then you have other people that try to justify their position on, well, man, if you're a modern woman and you're a mom, you have to go to work and you got to do all this kind of stuff. Um, This passage um, subverts how we try to make absolute categories over moms. In other words, there are all kinds of moms. Can I get an amen? I think this is important because if you go in uh, the Twitter world and you're, you're on Instagram or Facebook, it is crazy how people just shame each other. Moms shaming other moms, and uh, we live, and I'm going to talk about this next week really hard. I'm going to preach hard on this, but we live within a call-out culture. Everybody thinks they're the Pope sitting ex-cathedra on their lazy boy, 
and they have the right to speak to someone who lives 3,000 stinking miles away and tell them how to run their lives. And we start calling out moms for all different sorts of things. We're not going to shame you today, right? We're not going to isolate you. We are all kinds and types of moms. There are distinctives, but there are types. For example, Ruth was both a wife, a mother, and an agricultural worker. We have David on the opposite spectrum. He was a chief warrior, a king, a harpist, and he probably cleaned the dishes. Can I get an amen to that, right? Right, we have Jesus, who, you know, is the epitome of masculinity, what, however you want to define that. We'll define that later. Ca- um, compares himself to a mother hen who desires to gather in her chicks. We have Deborah, again, they're distinctives to mothering, and I'm going to talk about those distinctives. But we can't think in absolute categories. Deborah, she's a judge and a political savant. We have Jael. I always struggle pronouncing that name. But she's the one in the book of Judges who had a little violent streak, right? And she took a peg to the side of a general's head and killed him, right? You don't want to meet her in the back alley, right? So, yes, they're distinctives when it comes to um, mothering. But we got to be careful not to typecast moms. And these are, again, some of my observations. Proverbs 31. If you don't know, it's a Hebrew acrostic. Every verse begins with a succeeding letter of the Hebrew alphabet. In fact, one pastor scholar said that this description, which I find interesting, is the largest description of any family member in the Bible. Proverbs 31, that is. Um, And as you read through it, let me just, let me say uh, it this way. I think we're thinking through Proverbs 31, and maybe you thought through all the long description of what it means to be a mom. Maybe you thought, okay, maybe this is an idealized woman, mom. And maybe you thought to yourself, I don't know if I can do all of that. That's okay, because Proverbs 31 is not about the idealized woman. It's actually an exploration of all the different aspects of wisdom and the callings that women have. Can I get an amen to that? In fact, if there was a list like this about fathers, I'd... And, like, you know, they, you know, they clean um, the room, they go to work, they, weigh, um, they, they work 90 hours a week, right? They, they look like Thor, they work out every single day, and on and on and on. I think I would leave a little bit depressed. Proverbs 31 is not intended to depress anyone. It's just to give you a multifaceted look at what it means to be a mama. In fact, when we come to the book of Proverbs, if you don't know anything about Proverbs, it's a wisdom book. And wisdom is personified at the very beginning of this book as a woman. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 8, wisdom or lady wisdom is responsible for creating the vast world of mountain ranges and quantum realms and sheer beauty. And I think that's fitting, a fitting description for uh, moms. Can I get an amen to that? It's also fitting that uh, this wisdom book ends with this portrait of a woman. Like at the very beginning, we read uh, this mom, this woman, she, what does she do? She manages her household, right? Not only does she manage her household, uh, she's making real estate deals. You can find this in verse 16, 17, and 18. Again, we're not trying to typecast anybody. This is just a multi-layered look at all the different ways moms can be moms, But as you look at this, uh, and I think this is true for every mom, moms have an elite level multitasking ability. Can I get an amen to that? Look at it, just Proverbs 31. She's more productive than Buddy the Elf who never sleeps. 
combined with 10 CEOs, right? I mean, that's just part of being a mom. I mean, it is amazing what you can do as you're feeding the baby, doing the laundry, cleaning the dishes, telling your husband what to do, sort of, right? Tying shoes. Moms are incredible. And can I get an amen to that? So what is the unique contribution? What is the distinctive that um, I want to talk about today? It's pretty simple. As I looked at Proverbs 31, I was praying for all our moms here uh, today. Um, the takeaway for me is that moms are life givers. You're life givers. Uh, in fact, Eve, if you look at all the different ways you can translate it in the Hebrew, simply means giver of life. One scholar, Russell Moore, says, the persistent myth of male superiority is undone by the fact that even the most bigoted misogynist first found life in the reproductive system of a woman. Can I get an amen? Are we in a charismatic church or not? Come on. She possesses, you read Proverbs 31, and it's so true of my mom and my wife and all the moms in here. They possess, women, moms possess incredible strength. They are unstoppable. From death glares that freezes husbands and children in their tracks to the perfecting of the whisper yell. I mean, it is amazing how you strike holy fear in your children by whispering but yelling at the same time. It's incredible. It's kind of a pretty cool superpower, right? Men, we just rage and we just raise our voices. Women, you're just, you got it down. I love it. But women have an incredible capacity for making life happen. It's incredible. In fact, what we find in Mark chapter 5, and Trey spoke on this um, eloquently a couple of weeks ago, we get a profile of how um, women and mothers can make life possible. In Mark chapter 5, you have a woman with an issue of blood. We don't know if she was a mom, but for me, it's a profile of a mom. For 12 years, had an issue of blood. For 12 years, she, sh she sought her cure and her healing. Thankfully, Jesus heals her. And this profile shows what is true of every mom. Moms never give up, even when dads sometimes do. I get this from a preacher. Um, Paul, he's writing in, uh, I think it's 1 Corinthians. It's 1 2 Corinthians. And he goes, I prayed three times for this thorn in the flesh to be removed from my body, right? Like, it's my best WWE, like, impersonation. <laughs> that's even around anymore, right? And he prays probably for 30 minutes, and then he gives up, he concedes, and God says, my grace is sufficient for you. This is the difference between men and women. Women, they never give up. Men, they hold the baby, and this is true of me, for five or 10 minutes, like, oh, my arm hurts, right? <laughs> Some of you are judging me right now, but don't judge me because it's so true about you, man, right? I think I'm a good dad, but it, there's just, man, mothering and dadding, it's just, they're just different, right? We have Father's Day coming up, and we'll, we'll have a really encouraging message for you men on Father's Day. <laughs> but it's about the women folk, right? I, I just read this study. It's crazy. The human body can bear up to 45 dells of pain. I don't know what that metric is, but it sounds bad, right? At the time of delivery, while the woman is in labor, she undergoes up to 57 dells of pain. This amount of pain is equivalent to 20 bones being broken at the same time. Right? 
this is what I was doing, as a, and not to get too graphic, my wife had a C-section, I was like, right? And women, you just are, moms are just absolutely amazing. You deserve a, a standing ovation. We need to have a celebration. We need to get that rap music back on and say, I love my mom, right? Moms are unstoppable, and they make life happen. I love that. Life could not literally happen without moms. But we all know as husbands that without our wives, life would be absolutely impossible. But here are some thoughts, observations coming from the New Testament. And again, I'm not trying to, like, not trying to create more gender wars here. But when you, look at the, when you look at Jesus on the cross, as I kind of close this talk, you look at all the disciples, the male disciples, they all forsake Jesus and run away. It's the women who stay and watch Jesus die. Right? It's the women who come to the tomb first. It's the women who see Jesus first. It's, it's Mary Magdalene, a woman, right, who became the first apostle to all the other apostles. In fact, many translations get Romans chapter 16, 7 wrong um, and I'll explain why. Paul elevates the status of women because of the tradition, the legacy that Jesus handed down. But he writes in Romans 16, 7, Paul calls a woman named Junia an apostle. Many translations translate Junia in a male form. It's actually a female that Paul calls an apostle. Women have authority. Women have influence. In fact, what we find before the death of Jesus, uh, we have an unnamed woman in the Gospel of Mark uh, we have in the other Gospels, in the synoptic tradition, Mary, who anoints Jesus at Bethany. The male disciples got frustrated, right? And what did they say? You could have used all this um, fragrant oil for the poor. I think that's kind of a ruse. I think they were really frustrated because she was functioning as a priest. I'm not going to, I've heard it before. I'm not going to let a woman teach me. I mean, come on, stop it, misogynist. Can I get an amen to that? I think these male disciples, they were like, a priest? Right? Shocking. What's also shocking, I've, I've spoke uh, to this quite often in Luke chapter 10. And what I love about the New Testament, it's a quantum leap in the words of one scholar ahead of its time. Quantum leap. In the ancient far um, east, in this Mediterranean world, you never would have seen anything like this happen that we find in Luke chapter 10. We have Mary and Martha. Mary, uh, Jesus comes to a village. And Martha is getting everything uh, ready. She's um, cooking, cleaning. And she starts to get really frustrated with Mary. So she accosts Jesus. She goes over to Jesus and says, hey, can you get my sister, like, back into the kitchen to help me cook and clean and, you know, get everything ready for um, dinner? Many preachers have preached this text, I believe, my opinion. I think I'm right on this. Preach this text wrong. They assume that Martha's the doer, she's the active person, like she's like the server, and Mary's kind of the, the quasi-philosopher, the contemplative person. She writes music, all that kind of stuff, and she just gazes into the eyes of Jesus, right? And we talk about how we all need to be more like Mary and not Martha, and that's not what this story is about. In fact, what's happening is Mary is violating rules, ancient rules, about space. How many of you love your space? Like two things, pet peeves, like that, I'm just being really honest with you, I'm being vulnerable as your pastor. I do not like close talkers. 
So all the close talkers, you're like, some of you have thought your whole life, why do people lean like this when I'm talking to them? Because you're a close talker. Number one. Number two, I don't like when you're in line in a grocery store, please give people their space. Right? Like, space is like, you be right here, and that's space. Can I get an amen, right? When you're up, like, next to me, and I can feel your body heat, get away from me, Satan. (laughs) Why am I even, I don't even know why I'm talking about this. It's just my rant. But this is what's happening. Like, there's a violation of social space. Jesus is subverting social arrangements. Uh, Mary is seated at the feet of Jesus, right? She's a part of, in other words, the boys' club. She's now inhabiting the man's world. In the words of one scholar, she's in the male part of the house, and Martha doesn't like it because that's not where women should be. In fact, one scholar said, um, what's happening in this little scene between Mary and Martha, Mary as she sits at the feet of Jesus, uh, is something like imagining inviting someone to your house tonight, right? You're really, they're really tired, and maybe they don't have a home, and they come over to your house to spend the night. Uh, you go into your room, you turn off the lights, and then someone, they, walk into your bedroom, turn on the lights, enter the room, and they make up their own bed at the foot of your bed, right? That would be a violation of social space, right? Be controversial. You kick them out, right? Don't you dare come into my room. Well, that's kind of what's happening in this story. Mary is um, seated, seated at the feet of Jesus. And she's not just learning about abstract truth and philosophy in the kingdom of God. She certainly is. But to sit at the feet of the rabbi, we've talked about this a lot, uh, it means more than learning. It actually means that you are being prepared to be a rabbi. You are prepared to be a leader. Just so you know, like today, we're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But 2,000 years ago, man, that's like totally upside down. Women couldn't teach. Women could even, were not even a viable witness in a court of law because of their, the, the way they were treated and ostracized in this ancient world. In fact, before um, the resurrection, the women were watching Jesus die. They were not considered a threat. And over time, Jesus comes back from the dead, right? He launches new creation. We talk about this. Jesus now is ruling as the king of kings and the Lord of lords over the cosmos, over the White House, your house, the crack house, everything, right? Jesus is in charge. And then we find in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is given. We're living now in a new age. The world as we know it is under a new power. It's not under death. It's not under corruption. It's not under under inertia. It is under the lordship and the sovereign, loving rule of Jesus himself. So we're living in a new age of the church and the spirit. What's interesting in the book of Acts is that Saul, before he comes, Paul, persecutes the church. And he doesn't just throw men into jail. He throws women into jail. You can find this in Kenneth Bailey, famous uh, Greek scholar. And he, he suggests that the reason why Saul was throwing women into jail was because they were seen as influential leaders, movers and shakers in the early Jesus movement. Are you glad you came today? Are you being encouraged? So, moms are unstoppable. They're givers of life. 
I'm not going to give you like practical takeaways. I want to end with a story. It's a story of Susanna Wesley. I love her biography. I get this from several biographers and uh, one particular pastor writes about her a lot. If you don't know Susanna Wesley, she had 19 kids, nine of which died in infancy. It was about 250 years ago. Um, She's the mother of John Wesley and Charles Wesley. If you don't know who they are, Charles Wesley wrote over 9,000 hymns. John Wesley preached to almost probably more than a million people. Even at the age of 70, John Wesley could speak to 30,000 people. He had such a booming voice. Incredible. Susanna Wesley was an extraordinary woman. She, um, She had a bad relationship with her husband. In fact, they fought about everything. They disagreed about everything from politics, how to run the church, et cetera. In fact, her husband would leave her months at a time to care for uh, there are 10 kids. She had one child who was crippled. She had one child who couldn't talk uh, till they were six. Uh, she was often sick. She had no money. They were constantly in debt. In fact, I think her husband was thrown in, into debtor's prison. Uh, their house, two homes that they had burned to the ground. One uh, claim was that <laughs> uh, the church folk, the lay people did not like her husband's preaching, so they burned the house down. Please don't burn our house down crazy. Um, They're cows. They had a lot of cows. They were farmers as well. Uh, One time someone slit the cow's udder so she couldn't, she had no milk for her kids. Dog was killed. Flax um, fields were burned up. And uh, she had the energy. She had the grace, in spite of all that happened to her, to manage her house, to farm, uh, to teach her children Latin and Greek. In fact, she, she made a commitment to God before she um, had kids, I mean, maybe before she was even married, that she would pray two hours a day, two stinking hours a day. She got to the point with, you know, 10 kids and all the tragedy that she was experiencing. She knew she couldn't do that in like one block of time. So she told her kids, um, when I put my when mom puts on her apron over her head, that means I'm praying and do not disturb me. She would pray throughout the day. She would pray for her kids. She would pray for her husband. She would pray for the world. She would pray for England. She would pray, 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 pray. In fact, before John Wesley passed away, someone asked him, who was the most influential person in your life? He just said two words, my mom, my mom. In fact, you can make the argument, and many people have made the argument about John Wesley, that John Wesley single-handedly transformed England. In fact, John Wesley is responsible not only for a great religious awakening but responsible for helping to abolish the slave trade Wilberforce and others and whatever were influenced they were all kind of whatever but John Wesley was a transformative agent in his day and time but I think you can make the argument that Susanna Wesley was the source of how God changed the entire western civilization one mom who had 19 kids, often sick, no money, absolutely, absolutely exhausted, needed a stinking protein shakes, but they didn't have protein shakes back there. Needed like Hallmark Channel every now and then, can I get an amen? Didn't have any of the luxuries that we have today, and she, through her prayer and through her love, changed the world as we know it. 
One thing I don't want you to do, I don't want you to compare yourself to her. Like, I don't teach, you know, Greek or Latin. I can't be uh, Susanna Wesley. No, the point is, this is the incredible capacity of every mom in this room. God's called you to do great things. One, one scholar wrote a book, How the Irish Saved Civilization. I think it's, it's a very poignant book. I love it. Thomas Cahill. But I like to make the argument that it is women, mothers in particular, in the first three centuries who started um, going the way of Christianity, pagan mothers who were converted. It was those mothers who transformed the Roman Empire. I really believe my dad's my hero, but my mom is my hero. She prayed for this church. We would not be in existence if it wasn't for the prayer of my mom. In fact, she ran um, several political campaigns. She's an organizational genius. She gave up everything for Tracy. Kidding. I just had to be dramatic. I wanted to be so dramatic there, right? She gave up everything for her kids, right? And we are who we are today because of the grace of God and because we had a mom who loved us and prayed for us. I love my wife. You know my wife. She preaches. She teaches. She's incredible. She does everything so well. She raises our kids. She's absolutely extraordinary. Um, I thank God for her every single day that we can be partners in ministry. Moms, let me just say this. You are incredible. Moms, you might be tired, but I'm going to pray that God's going to give you strength. Moms, you might be feeling maybe hopeless about your situation, but I want you to be encouraged today. God has a plan for you, and he will work out every good thing for you for his glory in your family and with your extended family and at your place of work. Can I get an amen to this? God has not forgotten you. You're unstoppable force because that's how God has built you. And through God's grace, everyone say grace. It's through his grace that we can be all who God has called us to be. So can I pray for you?